0: Episode of the Weekly Pleb. I'm Douglas Rieger, and I'm your host. It is finally twenty twenty one, so everything is better now, right? Well, vaccines are being distributed, even though COVID is rampant right now. Orange men are leaving the White House, and old turtles are going to inevitably leave the Senate. So, it's looking pretty good so far, in my opinion. In this era of pandemics, I think it's super important that we're conscious about how we take care of ourselves and monitor our health. So this week I decided to sit down with a pre-med student from the University of Arizona and discuss some major advancements in the field of medicine, the future of surgery, fighting diseases with lasers, and more. I kept this interview a bit briefer than previous episodes, but please comment down below whether you prefer longer form interviews. I'd love to hear from you guys, so don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter or Instagram. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview. Our guest expert this week is pre-med student from University of Arizona, Andrew Johnson. How are
1: you, Andrew? I'm doing well. How are you, Doug? I'm doing pretty fantastic. How's school going? Uh, well, seeing as we're not in school, Doug, uh, it's going pretty well. I'm not looking forward to this upcoming semester, but, you know, yeah. going to roll with the punches. You had a good break, though. Had an awesome break. Uh, actually, break. no, I actually no, I got COVID. So that was one thing that put a damper on my break. But other than that, it was fine. So so
0: what have you been studying lately at the University of Arizona?
1: Um, so I'm majoring in physiology and I'm minoring in biochem. So, you know, I'm learning a lot about the uh, human body on a molecular level. And, um, you know, I think it's just important that we all know um, how our body functions. It's a very important part of life. I mean, without conscious mind, without a body that works, what even is this, you know? So um, yeah, it's, I, love, I love the subject that I'm majoring in. And, um, you know, right now we're focused on modern uh, medical technology, but um, it, it kind of took me uh, to go above and beyond to kind of research uh, what's what's coming up for the future and it looks very promising. I mean, we're, uh, we have innovation that's um, progressing at an exponential rate, as you may know, you know, with the uh, machinery and everything. But yeah, it's very exciting. Well, one thing that stood out to me about
0: what they've been doing, honestly, for a couple decades already, but what is going to be even bigger in the future is the way that they can direct certain kinds of light in order to like have, for example, cancerous tumors, like appear fluorescent and things like that. So you can more easily see what you're doing when you're doing surgery. Yeah. Tell me a bit about color coded, the color coded surgery stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah, no. So, um, so it'll be easier to talk about that if we first talk about, you know, how surgery was performed, um, earlier in time. I mean, cause they didn't have lights, you know, um, they relied heavily on, on the sun. So you'll see a bunch of pictures um, of actually operating rooms on the top of roofs with um, big uh, openings to let sunlight in. But um, yeah, no, you're 100% correct. Um, actually uh, in 2004, Dr. Chen by the name developed a molecule um, that can be used to actually tag tumors. Um, it's a three part uh, molecule, right? So. You have your polycation, positive, positively charged, right? Your polyanion, which is negatively charged, and then attached to the polycation, you have the fluorescent dye, right? And then, bridging the polycation and the polyanion, um, you have a uh, breakable area. And by breakable, it basically means that um, it can only be broken by proteases that are um, secreted by tumors. So do you, are you familiar with uh, protease? No clue whatsoever. <laughs> so basically, it's just an enzyme that breaks down proteins. Okay. So um, so what they'll do is they inject it into the patient's uh, vein, right? And as it goes, as it's pumped throughout your body, you know, it goes to your heart. It's pumped uh, throughout your body. And as tissues absorb it, um, tissue that is not cancerous or... Um, dividing rapidly, is unable to break that molecule. So the fluorescent dye is not activated and it won't be tagged. But when it reaches a tumor, right, the tumor is uh, secreting the proteases, the enzymes, to actually activate that fluorescent dye. And once it does, once it breaks that linkage between the polycation and polyanion, that polycation with the fluorescent dye will migrate to the tumor and basically um, attached to it and what you'll see is um, under UV light you can actually see the fluorescence and that's a big medical breakthrough um, because um, when doctors perform surgery they often have to uh, rely on the pathology lab right so they go in they cut out the tumor and they think they have everything you can't really if you open up a human body it's very hard to tell what tissues is cancerous and what tissue's not cancerous so they have to send it to the pathology lab and they have to say okay this is good this is not good you need to take some more out here blah 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 and um so with this dye if the tumor is tagged and you can see exactly where the tumor is and you can see how far to go because usually um in surgeries um like with cancer on a kidney there's a general rule of thumb that you have to go about two millimeters deep into the kidney um if it's a surface tumor right but that's just an estimation you don't know how deep the, the tumor is or if it's gonna come back so with this dye you can actually clear out the entire tumor and know for sure that it's gone. So yeah it's very promising. They still have to make a few adjustments to it but um yeah it's looking very 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 good as of right now. So yeah.
0: Right now, as all I've heard of with this color-coded surgery is mostly for tumors, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure mm-hmm. eventually it'll just get more advanced and we'll be able to shine a fluorescent light
1: on anything we want to, right? Oh, yeah, no. And just to clarify, the molecule is not an enzyme. What cuts it is an enzyme. But you are 100% correct. Um, I think they're already using it to identify nerves, which is a huge, huge thing. And I mean, if you sever a nerve, that person uh, may experience loss of feeling, loss of, uh, movement. It's, it's very important during surgery. So yeah, no, they, uh, they, I think they figured out how to, um, identify just nerves, which is a big breakthrough as well. So yeah, just wait. We just got to wait a little bit more and it'll actually be used in surgery because, you know, they need the light. They need an instruments to, to actually see the dye. But, um, yeah. So, I don't know if this is the same
0: kind of technology or what, but I, what are they doing with lasers to try and fix AIDS? An okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. So, um, so when you, let's say uh, you have a headache, right? Not right now. now. You're, not right now, but let's say you have a headache. You go, you go to your pantry and you take some pills out, pop them in your mouth, drink some water and you wait. Right now. Pills get the job done most of the time, right? I mean, depending on your illness and what you're taking and the dosage, but if it's correctly dosed and you take the right amount, it's it's gonna work, but what people don't realize is as it circulates through your body, it's becoming more diluted, right? And in um in certain areas like your lymph nodes, which filters your interstitial fluid, um and your nerve and your central nervous system and your lungs and all that um it actually um stays there if if, if, you, if you know what i mean um so that's that like it's a big those are big reservoirs for um different types of viruses and stuff like that is what i'm trying to get at um, such as hiv like how you uh, what you just mentioned um when people take the hiv medication um It's trying to keep more HIV-infected cells dormant, right? And where these dormant cells reside are in the lymph nodes, your lungs, your central nervous system, stuff like that. So when you take pills and it becomes diluted, that medication that's getting to those reservoirs that I just mentioned um, isn't as effective. So what you just said about the lasers is... um, So people have actually taken HIV-infected cells, right? They put them in a Petri dish that is soaked with medication, right? And they take a laser, and the laser makes a hole in the cell membrane of the cell and allows medication to go in instantaneously, no dilution, so you maximize that effect of the medication. And... I mean, it's working obviously in Petri dishes, but how do you get that to work in the human body? So right now they're experimenting, they haven't gotten it fully, but um, they have a three piece machine that they're planning on using, right? So you have the first one is your laser, right? Is, which is gonna make the holes in the cells for the um, medication to enter. And then you have a camera cause you gotta see what you're doing, right? And then the third one is, is a a sprinkler, right? So what the sprinkler does is it's going to saturate outside of the cell with, um, medication that's not diluted. So, so, I mean, using this method, we would get, um, the maximized intended use of that medication and the maximized effect of that medication. But, um, we still have a long way to go with that. I, I mean, Petri dish is way different than <laughs> inside your body. So when
0: I think of uh, curing anything with lasers, I think of Darth Vader on his table with all the arms coming in, oh, and fi- yeah. fixing him up for all sorts of different things. How how many decades away do you think are we from having operating rooms with no people, or do you think that's ever going to be a thing at all?
1: Um. See, the one thing is. I mean, we never, we may never know until it happens, you know? I mean, um, we're already seeing automation with cars and um, with assembly lines and stuff like that. Um, and we already do have robots in the operating room, right? But they still have to be controlled by humans. I mean, it's hard for a conscious mind to comprehend, but, you know, when something goes wrong, we think as humans that, you need human thinking to solve the problem. Um, numbers in a computer is not always going to figure that out, but we don't know how advanced computers could get. So that's a very good question. I mean, no one may know right now, but we're definitely hitting a curve in um, innovation. So um, exciting, maybe scary. Yes. Cause you know, who knows what may happen if something goes wrong? We could see more fatalities, but it could also be more efficient. And then you you also get into if you automate everything, what's the point of humans? What's the point of currency? And you get it's a whole different discussion, right? Yeah, yeah, that's but, the um, whole
0: the fear of automation in general right now. Oh but yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So you you think it's a more realistic possibility that a lot of these operating rooms will continue to have like a hybrid human robot atmosphere? You always need someone at least overlooking.
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, I was actually just shadowing a doctor a couple of weeks ago, and I watched him perform a da Vinci surgery. And um, everyone in the room was saying, you know, this is the future of medicine. Um, This is what most of the new surgeons are going to be using. But you also have, um, as with anything that's becoming automated, you have, um, or machine-driven rather. You have the older people that want to cling to, you know, how they, how they were taught. And this is, I think this gives the better results because it's hands-on, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, no, for sure. We're going to see more robots in the operating room in the next decade, 1000%. And it's, it's all, it's only getting better. So
0: do you think that automation is going to put a stranglehold on the amount of medical students that actually make it in the field? Mm, I believe so. Yes.
1: Um, I mean, automation, meaning, you know, there's no human, there's no human, um, involvement of 1000%. I mean, you're going to need people to overlook the machines and everything, but, oh yeah, no. I mean, it's very, it's kind of scary seeing, you know, if it goes to automated, then the demand for humans in that field will definitely 1000% plummet. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. So, um yeah even even you know even with the robots, um, they're looking for people that you know are able to adjust to this new way of surgery and are able to learn and are because it's a steep, steep learn, learning curve. you know, I've talked to some surgeons that have used this machinery, and it's a steep learning curve, but you know they said once they got it, it was very efficient. I mean' you're, finis- you're finishing um, surgeries faster, right? so the patient isn't under anesthesia um, for as long as they would be, you know, if you weren't using it. So there are a lot of upsides to, you know, this, this robot being in the room, but, um, what does that mean for, for, um, the other people that are employed? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Humans, you know, so, and I mean, uh, you also have the, the, uh, medical assistants and, you know, people handing the doctor tools could that possibly be automated too is another thing is because it's not as complex as, you know, cutting someone open and performing (laughs) surgery. So if you could automate that, then you're getting rid of more jobs. So, yeah.
0: And I mean, I feel like part of the problem too, is that, I mean, you would know better than I, but you guys mostly work on like those plastic dummies, right. With, with the guts inside. And that feels like kind of an, archaic or a bit outdated way to learn the human body. So what, what kind of things have they been working on to improve the learning experience when it comes to anatomy and medicine?
1: So, yeah, you're correct. Um, we do use the plastic models, right? Everything's color-coded, but when you go to cut someone open, it's very, very difficult to tell you know, what, what everything is. I mean, everything's covered in blood, everything's red. But, um, and people aren't made of plastic, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, 1000%. So, typically, like in med school, um, I don't think they do it at the universities, but they'll use a cadaver human model, right? It's someone who donated their body to science, and you know, they can cut them open and go in, but that's very expensive. Um, you got to have all the tools for it, you got to prepare the whole day, it could take hours. So, um, you know, there was this, um, virtual dissection table that was actually made by some professor at, um, Stanford and it's a life-size. I mean, it looks like if you took an iPad and you blew it up life-size into, um, an average human body, right? So it's, it's rectangular, right? Lengthwise human body, um, average human body widthwise, wise average human body. And what you, they, you pull it up and it's, um, it's it's a human laying down, right? And what you can do is you can make um, longitudinal slices or cross section um, sli- uh, slices, and you can see you can actually see all the organs and the slicing of the uh, different structures of the body. It's very very cool. I uh, I encourage all the viewers to go check it out. I mean, um, it's called the anatomage. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest breakthroughs because, you know, you need people to learn, but if you don't have the materials to learn, what are you going to do? So these are, um, these are pieces of technology that can be put into schools and you don't have to go looking for a body, you know, you can still learn the same. It may be different because it's not an actual physical human in front of you. But, you know, the purpose of dissection is to learn um, the different structures, the anatomy specifically. Uh, you're not really going into that much physiology. So um, if you just want to see the structures, um, this virtual dissection table would be perfect. And I encourage all of you guys to look at it because it, it will probably be put in med schools and um, universities here in the very near future. So Yeah. That's really cool. cool, yeah. Oh yeah. So,
0: so what, if there's one thing you could recommend to the people about health in these times of pandemics and everything about taking care of yourself, what would you say?
1: Um, wear your mask, <laughs> but um, physical exercise 1000%. We're coming into an era where, you know, uh, technology is huge. Um, people aren't going outside as much and it, you know, it does have dire effects on your health, so I encourage everyone to go out, even in the even in the pandemic, um, go out for a run. You know, keep that immune system healthy, because in the in the event that you do become infected, you want your body to be as strong as it can. So yeah, physical exercise, uh, physical activity, every day. If you can't go every day, do as much as you can, and I promise you'll feel way better. Um, you can start your day earlier and it just, it just makes you feel 10 times better. So that's what I, that's what I'm giving the viewers physical exercise. Well,
0: Um, thank you for coming on, Andrew.
1: It was awesome talking to you real quick. Oh yeah. No, great to be here. Um, yeah, hopefully you can come on again. (laughs) Yeah.